The reading is from Matthew 9, verses 35 to 38. And it says, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and illness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Thank you. Well, good evening, and uh, thank you for inviting me to be part of this very, very special occasion. Can I add my own personal congratulations to everyone who's involved with this, with this project? 20 years of faithful and fruitful service, uh, and we celebrate, give thanks to God, but we give thanks to you. What a wonderful set of testimonies we've heard tonight, and uh, I pray for many more years of this, uh, this work and this fruitful labor for his kingdom. I uh, am living now down in the uh, north end of the Cotswold Hills. It's a beautiful place to live. I'm surrounded um, by fields and hills and hundreds of sheep. And uh, I, I love sheep, so that's, that's fine. But in fact, right next to our uh, cottage is uh, the field next to us, uh, the farmer. Uh, has decided to make that his nursery. So when he takes the lambs away from the ewes, which is a real cacophony, as I'm sure you can imagine, that's where he takes all the lambs, and they all get put into this one field next to our cottage. And um, I tell you, I, we look out of our bedroom window onto this field, and they are fascinating. They are so entertaining, I have to say, watching all of these lambs together. It's like, because many, many years ago, I was a teacher... And I would say it's, it's like watching a classroom or a class of children on a field trip without a teacher. Uh, I mean, they just seem to get up to so much hijinks. Um, and uh, it's uh, really hilarious. They've got out of the field several times already. Uh, my wife and I were coming back from a bit of a walk, and we just popped by the gate, and they all came running over, bleating, and liked to be stroked on their heads. But then... Uh, Several of them put their heads through the bars of the gate and then couldn't get their heads out. So then we're trying to turn, the, get them to turn their heads to get back out again. Um, and it reminded uh, me of a walk, actually, that Anne and I had been on, on the hills a few years ago. And we'd come around the corner. We could hear this, this bleating of a lamb, and it was incessant, and it was, it was really quite pitiful. It was clearly in, in, in some trouble. And uh, as we got closer, we realized this, this lamb had... Uh, been grazing in a particular part among the shrubs and got its head stuck between two crossing branches. Uh, and the more it tried to get out, the more it got its head stuck and the branches kind of closed in and it was completely trapped. The mother, the ewe, was there bleating as well. So, uh, so we, we, we rushed over. I was able, you know, being a man, I was pulling the branch, branches apart and, uh, uh, and my wife Anne was eventually able to to persuade the lamb that actually pulling out isn't the option, it had to go in, and then eventually led the poor lamb uh, out, and its mother was so pleased, and they went running off, and it, it was a lovely moment that we were able to just uh, play a part in uh, saving that particular 
lamb discomfort at that time. Why am I telling you all this? <laughs> well, this is the picture that we have in this scripture. Um, it, we, we read that uh, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news. Note it says he went through all the towns and villages. Jesus, in his, in his traveling around, his ministry and preaching and, and miracle working, didn't reserve that for the important places. He didn't go to the posh places. He went to every place. He went to wherever there was a need, all the towns and all the villages. And we know as we look through his, his life, through the Gospels, that he, he spent so much time with actually the neediest of people, the most marginalized of people, those who really needed uh, a touch of the love of God and a listening voice. And Jesus was able to minister to all the people in all the towns and villages. And then it goes on to say, when, this is the why, you see. That's what he did. This is the why. It says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And as I was explaining, sheep without a shepherd can find themselves in some awfully sticky places and needy situations. I'm sure we all are like that. The prophet Isaiah said, didn't he, we all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has gone our own way. It is something that all of us, if we put ourselves into that sort of picture of the sheep, find times when we are helpless and harassed like sheep without a shepherd. But we have a Lord Jesus who has compassion on them, who has compassion on us. That expression, had compassion on them, is, because uh, the original was written in Greek, it literally means he was moved with compassion. He was saddened to his very core. This was a deeply felt kind of gut reaction. This was Jesus' natural response to need. This deep compassion. In fact, the word is only ever used of Jesus. It's used a few times in the New Testament. To, uh, each time it's to, to describe things like his reaction to sickness and pain. In another place, it's used as his reaction to sorrow. Another place, it's his reaction to hunger. Another, his reaction to loneliness. And in another place, the word is used of Jesus' reaction to confusion and bewilderment. And here he is so deeply, deeply compassionate for those who are harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. We serve a Lord Jesus who has deep compassion. And that reminded me, going way, way back now into the beginning of Scripture, uh, into the book of Exodus, uh, probably what is quite a familiar passage to many of us. And uh, it's that passage where God appears in, uh, in a burning bush to Moses. Do you remember that? And Moses, what was Moses doing? Well, actually, he was looking after the sheep. He was a shepherd. And uh, he was looking after his father-in-law's sheep, so he was a very careful shepherd. And um, doing a great job, I'm sure. But God had a new 
task for him to do. And so God appeared to him, grabbed his attention through this burning bush that never consumed. It was never consumed by fire. And so Moses goes over to see what it is. And God speaks to Moses these words. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. That's the people of Israel. I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers. And I am concerned about their suffering. Then he says, so I have come down to rescue them. Isn't that just a wonderful kind of foreshadowing of the, what we call the incarnation, what we celebrate at Christmas, of God coming in human form as Jesus? Why? Because he's a God who hears the cry of those who are oppressed and suffering. He's a God who sees the, the suffering of people, and he's a God who is concerned at, at that suffering. And so what does God do? He promises, I have come down. Now, he's saying this to many, many hundreds of years before Jesus came. But he's saying to Moses, I have come down to rescue them. How is he going to rescue them? Actually, Moses is going to do it with him. And it goes on to say, so now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. So how does he choose to save? How does he choose to rescue and to meet the needs of those who are oppressed and crying out in their pain and their suffering and their loneliness and their hunger and their bewilderment and all of these things about which Jesus is concerned? How does God do that? He does it through you and he does it through me. But he doesn't just leave us to do it. He doesn't just say, okay, off you go. No. First of all, he modeled it through Jesus. And he wants us to seek to have uh, that compassionate heart that Jesus showed, that deep, deep within him compassion. He wants us to seek that compassion for those who are helpless and harassed. So he sent Jesus as a, as, as a role model. But of course, he also sent Jesus as an expression of his love for us. We've heard a few times how people have experienced the love of God through people. Those first disciples, those first uh, early Christians experienced the love of God through Jesus. But even today, people who are struggling, who are, uh, are suffering, can still experience it as we've heard, the love of Jesus, the love of God through us. Because though Jesus died, he rose again. And he went back to his Father, and he sent the Holy Spirit so that he could live and move and work in you and me. So when Jesus, like God did of Moses many years before, when Jesus calls us to partner with him in reaching out, to those who are struggling. He empowers us to do it by coming in and working in us and through us, through his Holy Spirit. So today is a wonderful celebration. It's a celebration that we have a God who hears, sees, and has come to save. It's a celebration of those who responded right from the beginning 
when they heard that call, a bit like Moses, but maybe through other different things, we've heard, we've, we've, we've heard how uh, one or two of them, uh, God grabbed their attention and the work got started. But that takes faithful and obedient response, doesn't it? So we're celebrating today the faithful and obedient response of many people over these 20 years. We're also celebrating the enabling and the equipping that God gives us to do that work that he calls us to through his Holy Spirit. And also through the very capable and wonderful training of those that he's equipped. But also I think today, if we're honest, we would probably say there is so much to do. There is so much need, isn't there? We could do so much more if we had more people that responded to God's call. So the passage then goes on. In his compassion, where Jesus has, has kind of wept really for these folk who are harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd, he says to his disciples, the harvest or the need in our context, the need is plentiful but the workers are few. He says, ask Pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into the harvest field. So I believe today, in all of our thanksgiving and celebration, it's a great time too, to pray that God would keep calling people, keep raising them up, that people would hear that voice and respond. Clearly, when God asks us to do something, it's big, it's important, and maybe our response is, but what me, what can I do? Or maybe our response is, but there's so much need. What, what, what's the point in our little bit? Well, I want to finish with another little story, another little kind of metaphor. I'm, again, I'm sure you've probably heard it, of the starfish on the seashore. And it's the boy who's walking down. And what's happened, the tide has brought all these hundreds or thousands of starfish and thrown them up onto the beach and receded. And the sun is beating down and these starfish are all going to shrivel up and die. And there's a boy walking down the beach, and he's picking them up, and he's throwing them in. And he's watched by a gentleman who's walking his dog. And the gentleman thinks this is very unusual. So he goes up to the boy, he says, what are you doing? He says, I'm saving these starfish. Because if they don't get into the water, they're going to dry up, and they're going to die. And the man said to him, but there's thousands of them. What difference can you possibly make? And the boy picked up another starfish. He said, I can make a difference to this one. And he picked up another one. He said, I've made a difference to this one. And he kept going one starfish at a time. And I think that when there may be times when we feel overwhelmed by the need, let us remember that actually it's each person that we take time to be with that is building that uh, kingdom of love and grace one person at a time. And God will do the rest. So can I say my own thank you for all that has been done. Thank you to God for starting it off. And thank you for his equipping and enabling. Let me just pray for you and then we're going to go into some final intercessions.
Heavenly Father, we thank you that your word reminds us that you are a God who sees the suffering. You're a God who hears the cry of people in those dark places. And you're a God who has come to rescue. Thank you for Jesus, the embodiment of the triune God, Father, Son, and Spirit. Thank you that Jesus came and demonstrated what that compassion looks like. Thank you for the way he met with the most needy, the most marginalized. And Lord, he expressed your unconditional love in the words, the time, the healing that he gave out. Thank you that he called those first disciples, that he equipped them. Lord, thank you that through his death and resurrection, we ourselves can know the love of God. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, each of us now are called to respond in some way to some part of your saving grace, your work of kingdom building, one person at a time. Lord, I want to thank you for those people who have responded over these 20 years, for the way you've built up this work, for the lives that you've transformed, for the stories we've heard today, Lord, I pray that you would continue to raise up more workers for this need. That, Lord, you would train them and send them out. That you would bring in those who uh, just need to experience that touch of your love. And, Lord, we pray that you would continue to grow this work for your glory.